Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are thrilled that you are here with us on this uh, morning to, to worship God. This is my fr- friend Jude. Come on up here, Jude. Uh, his presence will make sense here in just a moment. But first, uh, I want to just make sure that everybody knows that two weeks from today is Easter Sunday, and um, hopefully there was a little card near you when you uh, came in. Those are invitation cards, so we hope that you will make note of when the services are, but um, I'd love for you to take that card, think about someone, pray about someone that you might want to invite to join us on Easter weekend. We find that Easter is a time when folks who would never think about coming to church with an invitation will come. And that's why we're having six services, uh, and that's why we're expecting lots of people to come. So you'll see that we have two services on Saturday, and then our three normal uh, service times on Sunday, and an extra one at 12.15. We're asking our sort of uh, folks who come here uh, every week and believe in our vision to consider and pray about coming to uh, a Saturday night service or that 12.15 service. So I just placed that before you. We'll remind you next week, and then we'll be ready for a great, great weekend. This is Jude Reese, and he's going to read our scripture this morning. And Jude, you can just look and see uh, uh, the top uh, square there. And at the end of this, Jude is going to say, this is the word of God for the people of God. And we'll say together, thanks be to God. Thanks, Jude. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down. Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jude. Excellent job. Excellent job, Jude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus' friends were arguing. I'll let that sink in for a second. The people who followed Jesus were arguing with each other. They were not getting along perfectly. All right, let me try again. Uh, The guys who sat around campfires with Jesus, who would fall asleep with the memories of the miracles of that day on their minds, were arguing with each other on the road. All right, one more try. Let me just kind of, let's see if I can... uh, The guys who saw 5,000 people fed with five loaves and two fish, and then they were sent to pick up the leftovers and it filled 12 basketfuls. The same guys who saw a paralyzed man be lowered through a roof that was ripped off by his friends because they desperately just wanted to get him in front of Jesus, and then they saw him walk out with his mat in hand. The same guys who stood in 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 a small room with a little girl, a little girl who was dead on her bed, And Jesus said, I say to you, little girl, get up. And she got up. Those guys were arguing about who was the greatest. I am, said John. No, I am, said James, his brother. No, I am, said Peter. He pushes them both out of the way. They were arguing about who was the greatest. 
I've been trying to picture that. I'm sure you can tell as my <laughs> repetition. I've been trying to picture what does that look like for people who love Jesus, who have experienced and are experiencing the wonders of Jesus, but don't get it and can't get it right. Can you picture that? People who love Jesus, who experience the wonders of Jesus, who don't get it and can't get it right. Can you picture that? <laughs> All right. That's the description of Jesus' followers in Mark's account of the Jesus story, that the people who were with Jesus and saw all those things happened still didn't get it and still couldn't get it right. I just returned from a vacation. I'm sure that glow is still on me. That's what you're feeling right now. That's the joy. And uh, a few weeks, I'll be tired and haggard again. But this morning, uh, I just got back from vacation. I spent a few days with my brother and my dad in southern Utah. We were backpacking out there in the wilderness. It was awesome. And then I flew uh, to Fort Lauderdale and met my wife, Rachel, for a cruise. And the reason we were on the cruise is we were invited to come on the cruise as speakers. It was like a a, a Christian cruise, uh, which I didn't know existed. Uh, so here we were, speakers on a Christian cruise. Um, turns out not everyone on the cruise was a Christian, uh, but, uh, or at least so it seemed. And, um, but we, we would gather, um, and Rachel and I, basically the only reason we were there was we were sharing the stories and the miracles that we've seen happen in this church. Uh, there were people from all over the world uh, that were there in that gathering. But most of the time, Rachel and I were eating too much and watching the sunset and looking into each other's eyes. It was like a really good trip. And so when I flew home uh, and got back here uh, to Nashville, I was well-rested, ready to go. And when the seatbelt sign went off here at the Nashville airport, first of all, um, you guys know like the protocol for what you're supposed to do when the seatbelt sign goes off on the airplane, right? I want to make sure that you do. Um, what happens, the seatbelt sign goes off and everybody stands up immediately, all right? You're not gonna move for 30 minutes, but you wanna stand up. So you stand up. Even if you're by the window, you just do this number. You're just kinda, you're just gonna, all right, we're standing up. And you pull uh, your baggage out if you can get to it. You knock people on the head, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but eventually, after you wait this long time, eventually uh, you walk out aisle by aisle, starting with the folks in the front, those people in first class who i have never met, and they're so obnoxious, right? They just sit there, they have their drink when you walk in, you're like, they don't say anything. You, you go behind that little curtain. Anyway, um, so the seatbelt sign went off, and this guy, several rows behind us, goes rogue. He doesn't follow the rules. He doesn't just stand up. He stands up, and he's ready to rock. He's got his bag, and he is moving down the aisle. Um, he gets one row, two rows, four rows, five rows, because he's not following the understood uh, and practiced protocol. He's breaking the rules. I'm sort of impressed by him and sort of amazed, but everybody, we kind of look at each other, no words, and we just kind of take him out. We just kind of move to the aisle. You know, we stop him. And when he finally gets stopped, he's right next to me in row 22. And in my, in my spirit, uh, in my spirit, I, I said something to him. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Rachel will recount it for you, but I just, I just was like uh, amazed and annoyed, and I, so I, I said something argumentative uh, to him. Uh, and inevitably, whenever I try to start an argument with a complete stranger, I actually start an argument with my wife. It's amazing, without fail. I'm like, no, I'm mad at him. We're not mad at each other, are we? Oh, now we're mad at each other. I get it, okay? 
And so she's like under hushed breath saying, like, stop, you know, and all this. I'm like, did you see this guy? You know, and so we're all just having this terrible moment. I just got off a Christian cruise. <laughs> and I am arguing with a guy in a Metallica shirt in the Delta flight. People who love Jesus, right? Who experience the wonders of Jesus, who don't get it and can't get it right. Some of you guys have been listening to me talk for a long time, and you're like, Jacob, I've heard a version of this story before. And that's actually not that funny, is it? You know? But I'm not going to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. I've decided I'm on the growth to, uh, to perfection, I hope, with Christ, but I'm not there yet, and I'm not gonna stand up and pretend that in front of you guys. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm any different than the people who walked with Jesus. You see, the thing that was messing with me on the plane on Monday was the same thing that was bothering the disciples, and that is, I don't want anybody to get further up in the line than I am. This argument about who was the greatest, you understand, right, that the disciples weren't saying that they were greater than Jesus. None of them were pretending that they were greater than Jesus. They had seen him take five loaves and two fish. They saw it, feed 5,000, and then pick up 12 basketfuls. Nobody thought they were greater than Jesus. What they were saying, though, is I want to be right next to Jesus with everyone else behind me. And Jesus was still trying to teach them something more than that. By this point in our story, and by the way, we're almost to the end. We've been talking about this 40 days till the breakthrough and how it's a long time. Well, in the Mark story, we're almost to the end. And so Jesus starts getting very specific with them about what's going to happen when they arrive in Jerusalem. They can tell that the kind of pinnacle moment is going to be when they get to Jerusalem. And so in Mark chapter 8, 9, and 10, Jesus tells them three times, here's what's going to happen when we get to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over, mocked, beaten, and killed. But the disciples, it's as if they can't even hear it because what they've pictured in Jerusalem is something much different than that. They have pictured a king receiving a crown and them sitting next to him on the throne. And so even though Jesus is being very specific about actually what it's really going to look like, they don't get it. I offer that to you as a caution today because I've talked to so many of you over the last several weeks and you said, I get it, Jake, I'm in the wilderness. I can relate to that. I'm in a, in a 40 days. I'm in a wilderness season. I want to caution you that the Jesus story says that the breakthrough and the way it's going to come is actually going to look different than you pictured. And so if you're picturing something, something that, you know, that involves like uh, sitting on a throne, it might be something different from that. It's in this season that these disciple arguments crop up. It's interesting. They're almost to the end. They're almost to the place where the good thing that they've been hoping for is going to happen, and they start kind of looking for how they can get noticed. There's another passage just after the one that Jude read for us where two disciples, James and John, pull Jesus aside and ask him a question. Remember, James and John are two of Jesus' closest buddies. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus sort of says, what is that? And they reply, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. It's the most famous calling of shotgun in human history. Right? They see that they're almost there 
and they pull them aside. You know, with shotgun, I have middle school and high school students, shotgun is this, uh, you know, way it's like no one else has thought that we're approaching the car, and they're like, shotgun. And shotgun means I get the best seat, and I don't really care where the rest of y'all are sitting, right? Shotgun, that's maybe like a negative take on it, but you come into my world for a while. That's what it means, okay? And so James and John, they can say, ooh, we're getting close to the moment. They're walking on the road. Jesus, uh, we want to ask you something. He's like, what's that? And they're like, shotgun. You know, they are saying, we want the seat, and we don't really care what the other guys get. The other disciples, when they heard what James and John were up to, they were mad. You know why? Because like me, they wanted to be the one who thought about skipping a few rows, and I didn't. And so it's these, it's these guys, these uh, guys who are trying to get to the front that Jesus is dealing with on a daily basis, guys like us. Sally Lloyd-Jones, who wrote what is my favorite uh, children's Bible. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's great for adults, too. I highly recommend it. When she was remarking about this particular passage in the, in the Storybook Bible, this is what she said. She says, this silliness went on and on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had started thinking they had to do something to make themselves special to Jesus, that if they were the cleverest or the nicest, or I would add the first or something, Jesus would like them best. The disciples had forgotten something, something that's written all throughout the story, and it's this. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how clever you are, how nice you are, how rich you are, how important you are, how close to the front you are. None of that makes a difference with God's love because it's given as a gift. And gifts aren't received. Um, the way to get a gift is not by pushing people out of the way. Gifts are not given by striving. Gifts are just given. And so it's in these instances when Jesus' followers like us are thinking, I wanna get up front, I wanna get up front, that Jesus puts in front of them expert gift receivers children, people like Jude, right? And he puts them in front of them, and there's no even words that they say. It's just as if the presence of the kid begins to show them something and teach them something. Jesus um, gets a, a child before these line cutters, and he says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all that says that he took a little child whom he placed among them. Jesus has two actions with the child. The first is actually placing the kid who we you know, could guess is maybe on the outskirts of the room and places the child among them. Everyone can now see the child. And then he takes the child in his arms. <laughs> so it's sort of like what we had with Jude. We don't know the age of the kid. Uh, and then he does sort of like what Mark got to do with Andrew. And then he takes the child in his arms. Try to picture it. And Jesus says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. It's easy to pile on the disciples in stories like this. I've been doing it for the last 10 minutes or so. But let's remember that they've been in the wilderness for a long time now. They've been following Jesus for years, and he's been telling them this thing's coming, and it hasn't come yet. And so I think it's important to remember that the wilderness will wear you out, it will frustrate you, and it will make you afraid. Some things we've talked about over the last several weeks. So keep in mind the disciples that we're dealing with are people who are feeling tired, 
a bit frustrated. They're having to be with the same people over and over. I don't know if you're like, uh, have people that you work with or you have people in a family that you're with over and over. You get frustrated with them. You argue with them. And then there's also this element of fear. They get afraid. Instead of diving into the reality that Jesus has given them, he's like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be mocked, beaten, killed, and you're going to be with me. Instead of them kind of saying, say what? Or help us understand what's the suffering going to be like and what's it going to be like for us. Instead of doing that, they just sort of push themselves up. Worn out, frustrated, afraid people tend to make more of themselves, not less. I've seen it over and over. Worn out, frustrated, afraid people tend to make more of themselves, not less. I'm tired, and I want all you guys to know how tired I am, right? I'm frustrated because of you, right? I'm afraid because even though I'm showing you that I'm strong and tough and I want to sit up front, it's actually just a ruse. I'm actually really afraid. And so the disciples uh, are like us, I think, and that's why I want to talk to you this morning. Actually, for a moment, I just want to talk only to the tired people, right? You know who you are. For a moment, I want to talk only to the tired people, the frustrated people, and the afraid people. Everybody else just relax for a moment, okay? Do you remember that Jesus, some of you have been here a few weeks ago, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm giving you the secrets to the kingdom of God. Jesus told these stories. He said these things. He's like, in it, guys, is the secret. that It unlocks these spiritual truths, these eternal truths that are inside of us. Here's one that Jesus gives these guys in a place where they're in the wilderness, tired, worn out, afraid. He says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Another way of saying that, I've just got kind of three statements. It's, it's really just all in that line, and the thing about the kids is this. Be last, serve all, welcome the lowly. I know that's not all that fun. Um, I've really got nothing clever for you around this except Jesus' words for you. He says, anyone who uh, wants to be great must be last, the servant of all. And then he takes a little child and says, you have to welcome, welcome the child. My job is actually to teach you uh, about Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, what it really says. And so Jesus says, be last. You want to be first? Be last. That's, that's the word for you today. Be last. I wonder what would happen if we tried to figure out what that meant for our lives. If In those places where we're usually trying to be first and we kind of have daily ways that we're trying to be first, what if we tried to be last? I wonder what we would see if we went to the end of the line. When somebody tries to cut me in line, I just want to try to cut them, you know? What would happen? Who would I see if I went to the back of the line? Jesus says to serve all. So who are you supposed to serve? All. Religious people have always been great at trying to define all. <laughs> like when the church was, was birthed, God said, uh, they, they got this word that God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. And then you see that it has to be defined, like young and old, men and women, slave and free. There's a really famous story about a real smart guy, a teacher coming to Jesus, and Jesus is talking about who you should love and who's your neighbor. And he's like, what do you mean by that? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this mind-blowing story where he's like, oh my gosh, everybody's my neighbor. So uh, who are you supposed to serve? All. <laughs> and then welcome the lowly. What, what I think is... Uh, I mean by that is the child in the room was one who was not even allowed to be a part of the argument. Jesus brings the one who's on the edge of the room and puts them in front of them and says, welcome this one. 
I heard a father berating his son this week, like in public. You know what that sounds like, right? Some of us really know, some of you really know what that sounds like. So I heard this father berating his son. It wasn't anywhere around here. It wasn't even in the state. Like, y'all are looking at me. It's like, it wasn't you, okay? Like, if you did that, it's not, I don't, I'm not calling anybody, calling anybody out. With his words, with his tone, with his expressions, nothing else, he made his son feel very small, like an elementary age kid. The words were so crushing, I felt them pushing me down into the pavement, and they weren't even directed at me. I was just passing by. A son who hears his father speak that way over and over and over will think that the only way he can get to a good place with his dad is to do everything right, to impress, to excel, to achieve, and then maybe, just maybe, I'll please dad. Some of you have in your mind a God like that kind of father that you can never measure up to, that can never be satisfied. And so what do we do? We try and we try, but we don't get it and we can't get it right. But we, we keep going. We try to make more of ourselves, but it's really just a cover up that we're tired and we're frustrated and afraid. Jesus, I think, is trying to show his disciples who are treating him like that kind of God who they have to impress. He says, no, no, it's not like that at all. Jesus is like, what's it like? And he calls a child and puts the child among them. Try to picture it. And then he takes the child in his arms. It's like this. I think what is also inherent in this story is, is this, guys. You're the kid. You're the kid. You're the kid who's being welcomed. And the, and the kid knows there's not anything special that she has to do to get uh, in the arms of Jesus. She just has to get to the arms of Jesus. <laughs> We're so busy calling shotgun that we don't see Jesus is inviting us up front from the beginning. <laughs> and it's not an exclusive seat, like there's only a right or a left. There's room for all the kids. It's like one of those station wagons in the 70s. You know, it's like this huge bench. <laughs> Maybe not. You aren't too old to encounter Jesus like a child. You bunch of old people. You're not too old to encounter Jesus like a child. You're the kid. After I got home from my vacation, uh, it wasn't the greatest vacation because my kids weren't with me. So after I got back from my vacation, Rachel and I are pulling in the driveway and my two youngest daughters run to me in the driveway. Oh man. They're like clamoring over each other. They're laughing. They're trying to get to me. I get them like almost at the same time. I bury my head in their hair and you know, we're laughing and I'm kissing them and all that stuff. And they say, what'd you bring me? <laughs> Monsters. You know, <laughs> so awesome. Well, I have three daughters, though. I have an, an older daughter who's in high school. She's so grown up. She's amazing. And she wasn't there when I got home because she was trying out for the high school cheerleading team at Wilson Central. And so we waited for her to get home. Her mom went and picked her up. And when she got home, I was watching the Braves game. And I, I didn't see it coming, but this thing in my dad heart, and I heard, heard the garage door open, uh, this thing in my dad heart, I thought, I wonder how she's going to greet me, because she's like all grown up now, it seems like. You know? And I wanted to ask her about her tryouts. I hadn't seen her in a week. Well, when she walked in uh, out of the garage, she says, Dad. She surprised me. She jumped over the couch and just like jumped on me. And I buried my head in her hair. I was like, how many times did your mom kiss you when you, she picked you up? She's like, uh, one. I was like, I'm going to get up in front. Of, I'm going to kiss you twice, because I want to be in front of her. 
She's not in this service, so I can let my emotions show. I was so glad that she wasn't too old to run to me. And you aren't too old to run to Jesus. Jesus is trying to show his disciples the heart of the Father. And if you're a normal human being, you probably got it wrong a little bit. You probably tried to put on God some things that maybe somebody else has done to you, but that's not the heart of God. We think, I've got to be great. And Jesus is like, you can be weak. We think, I've got to be first. Jesus says, no, actually, in fact, be last. It's fine. You think, I've got to achieve all these things. Jesus says, no, serve everybody. And when we get to that back of the line where there's some pain and some suffering and sacrifice and giving up and handing over and pouring ourselves out over and over again, and we get to that place, we find that Jesus is there. He's in the back of the line with the one who thought they were on the outside. He says, when we get to Jerusalem, I'm pouring it all out. <laughs> you see, with James and John, what he asked them in that time is he said, do you think you guys can be baptized with the same baptism that I'm gonna be baptized with? Jesus is awesome. He can use baptism three times in one sentence. <laughs> James and John say, yeah. And Jesus says, you're right. You're gonna get to go through this with me. And those goobers, those disciples, even when Jesus was crucified, they got it wrong. They didn't get it right. But you know what? Eventually, James and John, they gave their very lives for the sake of Christ. They got it. They laid it all down. Oh, man, I'm still, still telling stories about being a jerk in the airport 11 years later. But I have this deep hope that God's Holy Spirit is working in me in a way that can change me break me through some of these things that have held me back for so long. I am not giving up. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to where Jesus is going to break through the tomb. <laughs> Let us pray. God, give us the kind of confidence that a child has that would run to his father. Share with us now, God, as we get to experience uh, Susanna's baptism, that we could see that pouring out of a whole life because what you want to give us is the best thing. I pray for those in this room who have not yet surrendered their life to Christ, that today would be the day. In Jesus' name, amen.